today we are back in the book of John, in uh, his gospel, and back actually in the Feast of Booths where we left off. Now, uh, for those of you who are paying special attention, uh, we are going to be skipping a passage. Now, uh, what are we skipping? We are skipping uh, the woman caught in adultery. All right, so this woman is caught, and men gather to stone her, and what does Jesus say but his, his famous line, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. All right, we are skipping that passage. Now, why? Why are we skipping that passage? Because uh, in the earliest copies of John, that isn't there. Actually, in, uh, throughout, throughout the, the history of, and manuscripts of the Bible, uh, that passage has never had a home. It was unclear where it was supposed to go, and it's, the consensus is that it especially isn't supposed to be here. All right, so we have Jesus at, at the Feast of Booths talking to the people about water. He talks again about the Feast of Booths, talking about light, and then this passage is kind of shoehorned in there, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Now, uh, why are we not going over this passage? Because we want to take John as it's kind of originally written in its entirety, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I don't like that passage. I don't say, like, say I'm not saying that I don't think the message there is not important or true. But uh, we, are, we may or may not come back to it at another point. But today we are going to jump uh, to John 8, 12 through 30. This is when I'd normally ask questions, but I'm not going to. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, just so you have that, that little caveat there. All right, so what, what are, where are we at? We are back. And we never left, really, the Feast of Booths, where Jesus was talking about uh, giving the people living water. And in the midst of that feast, he is going to give us another of the I am statements. I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus declares this. And it's kind of like the light bursting on. All the people, they scatter to the darkness. Right? They react to Jesus as the light of the world, and they instantly start to protect themselves. They, they attack Jesus. They go into defensive, and yet Jesus continues to shine as the light. Now, as I, as I first approached this passage, it felt like Jesus was being kind of defensive or cagey or kind of weird. And it's No, it's that he just continues to push forth that he is the light and shining against the darkness, forcing them to either accept him as the light or truly admit that they want to stay in the darkness. And so that's kind of the dynamic here, is we're going to see uh, this constant, the, the, the darkness of sin and blindness met with Jesus in his kind of piercing light, revealing that darkness and sin. And then finally, we're going to see this final revelation of the light and how it shines in the midst of the darkness. So Jesus, he is the light of the world. And he reveals the darkness of ignorance and sin and rebellion in the hearts of the people he encounters, ultimately so he might save them as that light of the world. So with that, let's read John 8, 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who bears, uh, bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them, I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world that I have heard from him what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Father, we ask that, uh, that light would shine in the midst of darkness, that Jesus, you would make yourself known, that Holy Spirit, you would be ministering to our hearts uh, to enlighten their eyes. And Father, would you, would you use these fleeting moments to help us to see Jesus and to love him and to walk afresh? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So once again, we are at the Feast of Booths. We've been talking about this a little bit. Uh, we talked already about how he declares himself to, to give the living water, and now he talks about the light. All right, so we have a picture of what this looks like. Uh, the, all right, so this is the temple, uh, which would be lit up every evening during the Feast of Booths, these huge candelabras. And then the people, they would gather together and they would sing and hold torches and spend the whole night celebrating the Lord and all that he has done for them. All right, so this was the, the biggest party in all of the, the Jewish calendar. And all through the night, the light would shine. And the people would sing and celebrate God. What exactly were they focused on? Remember, we talked about how the Feast of Booths, it's a recognition of all that God had done for them in the wilderness as they traveled from Egypt to the Promised Land. And so we already saw the, the water symbolism that they, they recognized the, the rock that had given them water in the midst of the desert. And this time they're recognizing 
the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that led the people, the presence of God in all of his glory, protecting them and guiding them and revealing himself to them. He's walking them through this, this wilderness of death into life in the promised land. So that's what they're celebrating here. And it's into that context that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All right. It's already a pretty extreme statement, but when Jesus says this, in, in this context, what is he saying? He's saying, I am the pillar of fire that led you through the wilderness. I am the, the light that guides the people through death and through suffering. But you could not survive without me leading you into life and out of death. I am that light. And if you have me, you will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this gets mingled with all the other passages that talk about light in Scripture, that, that God, the Lord, is our light in our salvation. With you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet. The Messiah would be a light unto the Gentiles. Right, so all of this, all of this meaning is being poured into this statement this is an unfathomable reality for Jesus to be declaring in the midst of this festival. That by him you will walk, you will see all truth and all lies. You will not stumble, you will not fall off the cliffs, you will not be led into, into traps. But if you walk in Christ, you will know life. Now unfortunately, we don't get to talk about that anymore because... The people, they don't accept it. And instead, we have to see all of the darkness that the people bring in response to that, that message. It's kind of like the, the roaches that scatter when the light is turned on. All of, of the religious leaders, they start, they flee from this reality. And the, the darkness is revealed. So how do they respond? The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. All right. So what are they saying? They're saying, well, you can't just say you're the light of the world. You have to have someone else tell you that. It has to be corroborated, and it's, it's not true yet. All right. This is a weird statement because what is it implying? It's implying that all of a sudden they're in a courtroom, and this is a legal battle and Jesus is on trial, that he has to prove this and testify to it, and he needs to get witnesses. And right? The Pharisees, they live in the courtroom. All of life is on trial, and they are the judges. Now, they're right that, that, that this is a reality found in the Scriptures, but it has a different context than the light declaring himself uh, Deuteronomy 19.15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. 
Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Deuteronomy 19.6. On the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. All right, this is what they're appealing to. What's the great irony that this is the passage they choose to condemn Jesus with for giving false testimony? Right. They all are trying to kill him. And they are accusing him of blasphemy and of evil. And they're ready to condemn him without a trial, without evidence, and without witnesses. Remember, just, just may not remember, but a couple weeks ago, one of their own, Nicodemus, had tried to intervene against the, the fact that they were trying to condemn Jesus without a trial. Nicodemus, who had gone before, who was one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing or learning what he does? No, they're, they're condemning him for not having witnesses. As they bring all of these accusations outside of the court with no witnesses, condemning the same Jesus. Even worse, in the midst of all of that, people were crying out, this really is the prophet, this is the Christ. Witnesses, people testifying that this really is the light of the world. Jesus in chapter 5 had already said that John the Baptist and the work of miracles, the scriptures themselves and Moses, all active as witnesses, that he is the one he says he is. That all these ones had faith in him also. So what's going on? What do we learn about the Pharisees? When they want to hide from the light, where do they hide? They hide in the law. They hide in the law. Which is ironic, because we think, oh no, they, they should be scared of the law. They're against it. No, they... They use the law to condemn others that they might not be under condemnation. And it's almost, it's almost like a Freudian slip that they, that they choose this passage of all the things to pick because it's the one that would accuse them the most. But no, they throw it back at Jesus. Because if you are judge, you cannot be judged. And if you focus on how everyone else is condemned, everyone else is evil, everyone else is bad, then you don't have to look at yourself. That's how darkness reacts to the light. Right? That's what people in darkness do. That's what sinners do. That's what we do. Right? Now, what does this look like? Right? How often do people accuse God of being unfaithful or unloving or unkind, all while they are faithless and idolatrous and blasphemous. Right? We do that. And we look at our lives and think, well, like, how is God messed up here? Instead of, well, how, how have I been unfaithful to a loving and perfect God who delights in me and has given me life? Or you'll talk with non-Christians, and it's not just that they don't believe in God. They also have lots of things to condemn him for. 
lots of judgment. Lots of reasons that they can, they can declare that God is evil. And they are not. Right? We, can, we can do this with, with other people. We are quick to condemn and judge and criticize. But the, the finger never comes back to us. Laws for thee, but not for me. That is, that is the message of, of human hearts in darkness. Now I ask you, are you busy condemning God so you don't have to deal with your own heart? So you don't have to admit that, no, you don't want to believe in him. You don't like him. Or you don't like being judged by him. There's honesty of the heart. And when Jesus comes and declares himself the light of the world, you already didn't want to hear it. Now, on another, I'm kind of turning it on the other side. If you're acting as a witness, as a light to the world, and you encounter this, right, you need to see through it. If you're encountering people and you, and you find yourself having to defend God, Maybe behind that accusation of God and hatred of God is a, is a running from your own sin. And we don't want to get lost. We don't want to get distracted from the fact that what do they want? They need to see the light of the world revealing their own sin first and foremost. And so Jesus, he, uh, he does not get caught in this trap. He, he answers them uh, in a different way. Jesus answered. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. Right. Jesus doesn't answer them according to the laws that they give him, because he, he is the law unto himself in a very real sense. That he is the light. He is the light of all knowledge, and all truth, and all glory embodied in a person, the divine and human God-man. And he knows who he is. And he knows that he has all authority to speak about all things. The problem is not that he needs a witness. The problem is that they don't recognize who he is. They don't know where he comes from. They are in darkness and sin and ignorance and foolishness. And that's what they need to wrestle with. Not whether or not he has enough witnesses. Jesus is above the weight of proof or assessment or judgment. But he is judge. He is the one who cannot stand condemned because he is righteous and the true judge. All right, so what is this like, a symbol, like kind of a, a picture of this? All right, so imagine uh, a crime was committed in the full light of day, and everyone sees it. And the defense attorney says, well, you know what? Maybe we need to question the one who really could be lying here, the light. Maybe the light revealed the wrong thing. And the light that hit all the, all the eyes of the witnesses, maybe it was the false one. All right, do you see how stupid that would be? 
to question the light itself, to put it on trial. Like, that's what they want to do with Jesus. The only reason you see anything is because of the light. He's the one who created all these things. He's the one who, who gave man the, the knowledge by which they're now attacking him. He is from heaven. He is going to heaven. He is from the Father. He is going to the Father. And so Jesus, he, he puts it back on them. Verse 15. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Uh, start with that first part. You judge by human standards. All right, what are the human standards by which, which they pass judgment? Uh, they judge out of ignorance, out of rash emotion, out of their own bias, for their own purposes. They judge in a way where the law applies to, to you and not to them. They judge in a way that gets them power and gets them authority and gets them control. They judge so they can be God. Jesus already said, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Right. Human beings are not good judges. You are not a good judge. You are biased. I am biased. We all want what we want. We are quick to condemn. We always think we're in the right. And Jesus is saying, I, I don't judge like that. I've never judged like that because I am the light. Verse 16, but if I do judge, my decisions are true. Because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. He's saying, every single judgment that I make, I make for the glory of God. I make to do his will. I do because he has informed me of the judgment. I'm judging the way that my father does, which is to look upon the heart. For Samuel 16, 7, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. When Jesus comes to judge, what does he? He sees the, the false hearts of worship. He sees the, the vain attempts at righteousness. He sees the heartless sacrifices that mean nothing. The worship that is just a show. He sees all of that. And for them to judge him, he says, no, I, I, I am the judge here. And I judge according to the Father's will for his glory. And therefore, he doesn't need another witness because it always, it always, there's always Father and Son together. He always has two witnesses every time he speaks. He says, do, do you have the Father as your witness? Are you speaking for the Father and condemning me? He says it to all of us. Are, 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 we, are we good judges? 
Do we know as God knows? Do we judge to do his will, to his will and to glorify him? Now this is where it starts to get frustrating because they, they keep running. They keep running from this. And first they say, they ask him, where is your father? This is feigned ignorance in the darkness. They're, they're running from the reality that Jesus just told them. Where, where is he? They don't have a category. To hear from God through the Son, they, they don't know God when they hear about him. And they're speaking from, from ignorance because they don't, they're not doing his will. They're not looking for him. They don't know who he is. You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts, near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. What questions to ask in the temple? As they're all holding torches and singing praises to God, And yet, in their hearts, they do not know the Father. They do not know the Son. And they are intent on murdering an innocent man without a trial so that they can stay in idolatrous power. All right, that's, that's the darkness in all of us. That's the darkness in, in this room is that we can all stand here and sing praises to God and call ourselves Christians and yet still be in the darkness. And still not really know the extent of our sin. Not really know our Savior. Not be walking in light. Now, I, I don't say this to scare you. I say this because all of our hearts are that wicked and dark. And we can say, yes, I follow the light. But in reality, we are simply following the way of the world. We are following our desires. We are following our, our lusts or our anger. We are following our, our own kingdoms and building them. Even as we hold our torches and sing our songs, and say, here I am in the temple. That is the extent of the darkness that we have to reconcile with. And that's the darkness that we need to bring to the light. And Jesus continues. And he continues to, to shine all the more brightly in spite of their murderous intentions. He's going to prove that he is the light. Verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. And this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? All right, what's the level of ignorance and foolishness here? If he's talking about dying, why do you think he's talking about dying? Because they don't want to kill him. 
They're plotting his murder, even as they're talking to him. This would not be shocking that, oh, maybe he's going to kill him. No, maybe we're going to kill him. Why is he talking so crazy? Because you've revealed that. And yet, Jesus, what does, he, what does he say to them? You will look for me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. He's saying that if, if you remain in your sin, if you remain in your darkness, you'll keep looking for a Messiah, and you will not find one. You will look for other saviors, and they will not come. I am your only option. I'm the only light of the world. And if you do not cover your sins with the light, if you do not bring your sins to the light of the world, you don't get to go to the Father. The qualifications to go to the Father and go to heaven are not, you tried not to be dark, or you tried to do things in the light. The qualification is, did you receive the light himself? Did the light of his holiness and glory cover over your darkness? Wash it out. Anyone else, it's still in their sin and cannot come. So he, he will die, they will murder he will obey and they will sin. He will submit and they will rebel. And we start to see this dichotomy between the two of them again and again. Verse 23. You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is from heaven. He is from holiness and glory. He is from the place where the world, where the, the Lord's will is done. He is from perfection. He is obedience and good and light. And he says to these people, you, you are of the world. You are from wickedness and sin and rebellion. This place is a place of darkness. Ruled by people who have rejected me. And you will die in your sins if you do not believe in me. Now we say, okay, why would Jesus say these horrible, harsh things to these people? To invite them into the light. To invite them to, to bring their sins before him. To receive someone who is a savior. To trust that the light can overcome the darkness and and that they don't have to uh, create a light in themselves. They don't have to deal with darkness on their own. They don't have to save themselves or pretend that they can or pretend that they're walking in the light when they're not. That is who Jesus invites these people to be, to be the, the sinners that they are, the rebels that they are, to bring their sin to the one who is light that his death might cover over them. And yet, what do they ask? Who are you, they ask. 
All right, this is where I'm done with them. I'm done. It's so frustrating. They don't know the Father. They don't know the Son. They act like they don't understand what he's saying to them. They do. They don't want him. And I realize that it, I'm doing that same thing that they did, right? In condemning them, who am I condemning? Myself. Because how often do we forget who Jesus really is? That we run for other lights and other saviors. Or we wallow in our sin, refusing to bring it to him. And we stay guilty and shameful. We cower from God. We deny that our sins are really paid for. Like all of it. Do you not know the light of the world? Do you not know who he is? Are you not going to light walk in the light of the salvation that has been offered? To know that your sins have been paid for? Are we still asking, who are you in our lives and walking like we don't know him? If we have done this, like we know where we are going. We know the Father. We know the Son. We know how to get there. How foolish for us to still remain in the dark. Now Jesus is, is more patient than, than we are. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I will tell the world. What is he saying? He's saying, all right, I'm going to keep being the light. And I'm going to keep telling you how sinful you are. I'm going to keep telling you that you, you cannot make it to heaven without me. I'm going to keep telling you that you need a savior and that you need someone to, to cover over your sins. And I will do that until you kill me. I will do that until the, the darkness is so stirred up that you will hate me and murder me in an unjust trial with fake witnesses and false charges until you just give in to all of your sinful desires and yet at the end of the day, I will still be righteous. I will still be the light. Verse 27. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. What is he saying? He's saying, yeah, I'm going to be the light of the world and you're not going to get it until I hang you on the cross. And then you'll know how different I am than the darkness. Then you'll see that I, I didn't say any of this to get power or to get glory, to get acclaim, to get you even to follow me. I did this so that I might please the Father and that I might hang on the cross, and that I might save you in all of your darkness and sin. My final act that reveals that I am the light and not walking in darkness will be, I will, I will submit even to your evil 
and your judgment so that I can save you. That is our great Savior. That is the light of the world. On the cross, shining in the darkness, the extent of his love and mercy and grace. Light for a people walking in darkness. When we see the cross, we see the brightness of his glory. And so what do we do? Walk into the light. Bring your sins to him. Confess to him. Admit the depth of your darkness and your need for him. Walk according to the things that he says. Trust him that he says, this is death, don't feed it. This path has no life in it, don't walk it. Then follow him. Follow him in the light. Enjoy the, the life that he reveals to us. And keep confessing all of the darkness. Come to the light that you might receive the light of life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we praise you for the light of your glory revealed in the in the face of the sun. We thank you for the light of your glory revealed in the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you lifted him up that all might see the glories of your, your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness for sinners. Father, we ask that you might give us courage to walk into the light, to live under the light of the cross, to live under the forgiveness and grace and mercy that shines forth from that cross. Father, would you fill us uh, with the light that, know, that comes from, from trusting in Jesus our Savior? And would we then become lights that, uh, that can walk that same path, that will pick up those same crosses, and will bring light to the world? Christ. Amen.